This podcast was brought to you by Pastor Mike Calstrip and Fellowship Church. For more information, visit thefellowship.church. I want to thank all of those that were able to be with us for our prayer time uh, Sunday night. Had a great crowd, really. I mean, you know, I think we had, I don't know, 40, maybe. I don't know if there'd be 50 there, but there was a bunch. And we had a wonderful time of intercession, praying for the nation, the church. And the other thing about that is, uh, really unbeknownst to me, I mean, I, uh, God had given us some utterance and prayer for uh, the nation of Israel. And, uh, you know, praise God, I tell you what, they're, they're, they're chosen of God, and He delights in our support of them. Amen? And so uh, I, found my, I found it interesting because, I, you know, how it is, sometimes we have our own agenda and plans, and it's like, you know, I start praying for Israel, and I'm thinking, in my mind, I'm thinking, well, no, Lord, that's not why we're here. We're here to pray for the nation. We're here to pray for the church, you know? <laughs> yeah, how many of you know he knows more about what's going on than we do? Praise God. So anyway, uh, what a privilege it was for us uh, to be able to give vent to the Spirit of God and, and allow um, him to pray through us uh, for the things that God is wanting to do in the earth. Amen. I believe we'll be blessed by that. I tell you, God loves uh, uh, praying people. Did you know that? You know, the Bible talks about, like with Daniel, uh, when the angel uh, visited him, well, a couple different visitations that he had had, you know, the Bible says that he was beloved of God, you know, because he was a person of devotion before God. And so, uh, anyway, we may have a chance to look at that a little bit in some of our studies. But um, anyway, so uh, if you brought a Bible, let's open them to the book of James, chapter 5. That's where we're going to take off again. Uh, kind of picking up from where we left off on last uh, Friday night, or Friday night, uh, Wednesday, excuse me. I don't know where that came from. <laughs> Whatever. Praise the Lord. Amen. Glory to God. James chapter uh, 5 and then um, let's go ahead and pray, and then I'll share with you some things I'm gonna, I believe will be a blessing to you. Father, we're so grateful, um, again, for what it is that you're doing in the earth today. It is without question our privilege, Father God, to not only have our names written in the Lamb's Book of Life, but to be a part of the family of God, both in heaven and in earth. And Father God, we, as those that are on the earth, have the privilege of helping to carry out your divine purposes and your will, Father, in the earth in our generation. So we want to thank you, Father, for courage. I thank you for strength. I thank you for wisdom and the ability, Father, that you've given us to be able to impact the world in which we live in a powerful kind of way. So thank you, Father, for your blessing in our lives. And as we break the bread of life tonight, again, I thank you for utterance in the Holy Ghost. Father, it's my desire that you have the opportunity to speak those things that are necessary for those present here this evening, and also, Father, for those that may be watching by internet. And so we thank you, Lord, for your goodness, mercy, and grace. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. amen. Praise God. You know, this evening, um, I want to talk again about our personal prayer life, and um, the thing that I want to emphasize as we go through this is to simply say that, you know, the reality is, is that as believers, we really can change things through prayer. But it does oftentimes require a persistence and a perseverance. And 
not as a matter of works. You know, sometimes we look at these things and we say, well, if I just pray enough, it's not what I'm talking about at all. I'm talking about um, uh, an inward desire that we have to see a manifestation of the will of God manifested in a certain circumstance and willing to stay as long as it takes, as it were, if that's the right way to put it, um, in order to see that come to pass. Because it isn't a matter of works. I mean, you know, well, you know, we prayed for, you know, three and a half months, and by golly, God finally showed up. That's, that's not what this is about at all. But I do believe that there are forces uh, of darkness that try to thwart and avert these things. And we see this throughout the scriptures, you know, and, uh, but we often don't um, look at it in the right light. Sometimes we interpret things wrongly, sometimes because of being, you know, just religious thinking. You know, we've been taught certain things and we've had the idea, you know, that this is, you know, what was necessary. Like, by golly, if we just pray long enough, you know, God will finally show up and do something. Well, you know, uh, God's not, he is not uh, uh, short when it comes to his promises. He wants to see things brought to pass too. And of course, uh, you know, question, you know, people say, well, why then does it take so long? Why then do we have, you know, uh, um, that's, that's above my pay grade. All I know is, praise God, that if we'll stay before him about certain matters where our lives are concerned, praise God, we can make tremendous power available. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. So anyway, that's, that's going to be our target for this evening uh, to try to discuss some of those things when it comes to, again, pers uh, perseverance and persistence in prayer. Hallelujah. So um, talking about your own personal prayer life and talking about how powerful and how very necessary it is. Prayer in its simplest definition means to talk to God. Hallelujah. And you know, he doesn't need Elizabethan English to understand. Aren't you glad for that? When I got saved, I said, God, I don't even know if you're out there, but if you are, I want you to come into my heart. Now, there may not have been a lot of faith in that statement, but he understood my heart, and guess what? He showed up, amen? And there weren't any of these and thous, you know, it was just me and him, and uh, thank God he heard me, amen. Did you know his prayers, or your prayers are open, or let me say that again, his ears are open to your prayers, and so we need to have confidence in knowing that. Now, it really, apart from the Word of God, when it comes to your relationship with God, I don't think prayer, uh, I, I don't think anything can be uh, second to that other than prayer, because it affords us the opportunity to be able to, you know, talk to God, and God talk to us. And in that context, you know, uh, a lot of people say, you know, they'll say, well, I know that I should, you know, but... Uh, I guess I just don't. Well, you know, we ought to do something about that. Huh? I, I, you know, and, and obviously there's reasons why, you know, people are, you know, reluctant or whatever or just don't get around to it or whatever the case might be. So knowledge can be incredibly powerful when it comes to this so that we'll take the opportunity that's available to us. Jesus was very much in the habit of prayer. He had incredible prayer life. Matter of fact, if you want to read through the Gospels and look where it is that Jesus uh, did his praying, you'll find that a lot of times he was up early in the morning. Sometimes he was late at night. In other words, he got away from the crowd so that he could be with his father. And of course, we need to do the same thing. Would you agree with that? But again, let me just say that your prayers matter. I made a quote from uh, John Wesley. He was the founder of the Methodist Church. 
And um, he made the statement that it seems that God is limited by our prayer life, that he can do nothing for humanity except someone ask him. He went on then to say why this is we do not know. Well, you know, we ought to find out. We ought to know why it is that it seems that God is limited uh, when it comes to our prayer lives. And I don't, I don't think sometimes, you know, that people, you know, realize sometimes that this, you know, there's a Godward and a manward side to what it is that goes on within your life, you know. I mean, God is interested in you, and hopefully you're interested in him. It's a relationship, you know, and, and uh, we find this, I, I find this very interesting in the relationship he had with Abraham, you know, because Abraham had a, you know, he, he wasn't perfect. He made a lot of mistakes, you know, Sarah, and he got together and hatched an idea that maybe, you know, because she was barren, you know, they could work it out another way. Well, dude, that went sideways in a hurry, you know, so it wasn't, everything wasn't perfect, but but, you know, there were things and encounters that, that, that Abraham had with God, God with Abraham. And what's interesting to me is, is that when he came and visited him on one occasion, he again reaffirmed the fact that he was going to become the father of many nations, and he changed his name to Abraham, father of a multitude. Well, when all of that occurred, you know, and those types of things started to happen, what's interesting about that is in that conversation, all of a sudden, God says, shall I hide from Abraham that which I am purposing to do or thinking about doing, seeing that he will become a great and mighty nation? He said, for I know him, that he will command his children, and, you know, as far as obedience and things of that nature. And so he, he, God told Abraham, now remember, they're in a covenant with one another, and so God began to tell Abraham that he was going to go visit Sodom and Gomorrah. Well, as soon as this happened, all of a sudden, we, we see this, this intercession or this engagement with, with Abraham for the people that are there. Well, Lot was there. His nephew was down there and all of his household. And uh, he said, well, he said, wait a minute. He said, uh, he said, surely, you know, I mean, you wouldn't destroy the righteous with um, with the wicked, would you? I mean, if there's 50 there, pre-adventure, you know, and he was very humble about it, you know, I mean, he was approaching him, uh, God, with great reverence. He said, but, but if there's 50 there, will, will you not spare? He said, shall not the judge of all the earth do that which is right? You know, think about, think about the context of that, the, the regard or the status or the place that people of God, people that are washed in the blood, people that have been declared righteous, you know, think about the, the station or the place or call it respect that God has for people like that. Because God said, well, if I can find 50 there, I won't destroy them. So it was the righteous that God had regard or respect toward. How many of you know he's got that same kind of regard for you? You know, again, this is, you know, we have a relationship with God. You know, we're not estranged. We haven't been alienated, thank God, because of the new birth. We've been born of the Spirit of God, and we now have an audience, access. You know, when, when Paul was talking about, you know, in, in I believe chapter 5 of Romans about having access to God. You know, well, you know, the devil lies to people. 
you know, well, you're not this and you're not that. And then, you know, you did this and you weren't supposed to do that. And, you know, and all these things. And so the, it's this wedge that he tries to drive down between God and his children to keep them from having the kind of relationship that our Heavenly Father wants us to have. So, you know, when you feel that way, you, you run the other way. Okay, you got people, you know, that have been born of the Spirit of God and they've fallen into sin and they're, you know, out of fellowship with God and they're running the wrong direction. I tell you, when you get into trouble, it's not the time to be running away from God. It is the time to be running to him because he's merciful and he loves you. And so, so he said, shall, shall not the judge of all the earth do that which is right? And uh, he said, well, if I can find 50 there, I won't. So you know the story, you know, as he, he began to continue in his uh, quest to reserve the judgment of God upon these people, he went all the way down to, you know, I'm just going to ask you this one final time, if you found 10, would you not spare them? And he said, if I can find 10 there, I will. Well, he didn't find 10, he only found eight. All right. And so, of course, now he snatched the eight out. I said he snatched them out. You know, that ought to be a sign to you, praise God, that, that you know, and the Bible says that, that uh, you know, we as believers, uh, we have not been appointed unto wrath. You're not gonna, you'll, you'll never see the wrath of God because of the sufficiency of Jesus' blood. Are you with me? And so he snatched them all out of there and kept them from being destroyed. Are you with me? And um, so it's important for us to understand uh, the relationship that we have with him. Now, here in James chapter 5, uh, we use this as our text, beginning in verse 13. James is writing, this is the half-brother of Jesus. He was the uh, pastor of the church in Jerusalem, uh, you know, uh, when the church was uh, given birth to. And when he was writing here in verse 13, he said, Is any among you afflicted? Some of your Bible translations may say tested or tried or, um, huh? Suffering. Suffering, okay? You know, in other words, uh, uh, you could say it this way, are any of you undergoing hardship? Okay? So the instruction that Pastor James gives in, in this you know, narrative or this discourse as he said, are any of you undergoing hardship? What are we to do? Let him what? Pray. Let him what? Pray. Pray. Now, is the purpose for praying in hardship so that, you know, we maybe just do a better job or whatever, you know? No, I'd say that the reason that we're praying, praise God, is we want to get delivered from the hardship. Huh? Right. So again, he says, are any of you being afflicted, tested, tried, undergoing hardship, uh, trouble, any of those things? Let him pray. Is anybody merry? So he's got these two contrasting things, you know. Are you, are you in trouble or are you merry? He said, well, if you're, if you're merry, let's sing praises. Praise God, you know. Then he goes on then and says, <clears throat> is any sick among you? So he's asking some questions of them. He said, let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord, and the prayer of faith, not the prayer of unbelief or doubt, but the prayer of faith shall save or deliver the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he has committed sins, uh, 
they shall be forgiven him. A better way really to translate that is, is if sin is the cause for the sickness, okay? Now, a lot of times, you know, people get ill and say, uh-oh, what have I done? You know, they immediately, you know, kind of go into this whole, you know, tailspin because I must have done something wrong. You know, last time I checked, I usually know when I've done something wrong, you know? Are you listening to me? I mean, when I've sinned, when I have displeased God, I know it. Don't you know it? Okay. Well, you know, when you know it, you need to get it right. I told you the story about the one um, uh, tenant that we had, and I went up there and, you know, I didn't behave myself very good. So I was being smitten by the Holy Ghost on the inside of me, you know, actually my spirit, and I had to go and repent. I wasn't proud of it, you know, but thank God I did it. And guess what? When it's all over with, it was all gone. Huh? You know, wouldn't it be better off if people just run back to the situation and deal with it? Thanks for your excitement. There are about three people I think are listening. Well, you're probably all listening, but there ain't a whole lot of comment going on. Let's put it that way. Praise God. So anyway, he said here, if in fact the uh, reason for this condition in a person's life is because of sin, that it shall be forgiven them. Confess your faults one to another, pray for one another, that you may be healed. Now notice this is where we were trying to get to. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Now, what, what determines effectual and fervent? The Bible, the Amplified Bible says, the earnest or the heartfelt continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. Another translation says that the supplication of a righteous man avails much in its working. Um, another one says... Um, the prayers of, a right, of the righteous have a powerful effect. I don't know that a lot of Christians feel that way about their prayers, but they should. Huh? I tell you what, praise God, when you open up your mouth, you ought to know that there's something there that heaven is listening to. Are you with me? But again, the God of this world will do everything he can to try to undermine the confidence that you can have in your own heart about your prayer life, you know? And um, I mean, it comes in many forms. I talked to you about the whole condemnation thing, you know, so people are reluctant that way, you know? The other thing is, is that a lot of times, you know, he'll use the fact that you're not seeing an immediate result, so, you know, he'll, he'll discourage you that way. Well, maybe God's not interested in what you've got to say, or, you know, he's not listening, or, you know, he didn't want you to, I mean, he'll use anything that he can to try to, uh, you just gotta be more persistent than him and tell him he's a liar because he is. Are you listening to me? Other translations say it this, tremendous power is made available through a good man's earnest prayer. Another translation says that the prayer of a righteous man has great power in its effect. Um, Knox translation says, when a just man prays fervently, there is great virtue in his prayer. You know, the last Sunday night, I'm telling you, oh, we made tremendous power available. Amen. Praise God. You know, we got a note of victory, came up, worshiped God together, and it was great. Spent about an hour, you know, just praying before God. So the prayer of a righteous man can bring powerful results. Well, if that's true, you'd think that folks would be a little bit more inclined to get after it, huh? Huh? How about the rest of you? Yeah. yeah, sure. So, you know, people, you know, sometimes you'll hear people, well, what good is prayer? 
God never answers my prayer. Well, you know, you can tell by that sour attitude that there's, a, there's an issue. And you don't want to listen to them. If you're looking for advice, don't go to them when it comes to, you know, whether or not prayer is effectual or if it has. You want to go to the Word. And he said that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man or woman makes tremendous power available. I'm going to believe that. You know, when I pray for my kids, I believe and praise God that that's effectual and it's working, that it's powerful, that it's, you know, God is in that deal, you know, making the changes that need to be made or whatever the case might be. Hallelujah. And even if I don't see the results immediately, glory to God. I mean, you know, we did that all the time with our kids as they were growing up. We still pray for them, of course, but, you know, you, <laughs> you hit it a little harder when they're in your house. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, man, and, and if they're trying to go sideways, we just say, no, devil, you are not. And we didn't care what it looked like because he was not having them, and he didn't get them. Yep. Hallelujah. We got all three of them serving God, and they married somebody that loves Jesus too, and, you know, it don't get no better than that. Are you listening to me? But you got you to gotta set your, you know, you got to put your foot down because the devil's a stinking liar. And, you know, the thing about the, the pastor's kids, I mean, they live in a fishbowl. You know, and uh, I'm telling you, you know, it, it's not easy being a pastor's kid. And, um, but I tell you what, they, they did all right. Amen. Yeah, it wasn't without some challenges. Let's, let's put it that way. But that's, that's all right. There ain't no use crying about it. Are you listening to me? You know, that's the way I, I talked about it. I said, it is what it is, man. You've been born in this world for a reason. You came through this here, and you might as well get happy. <clears throat> you know, so anyway. The Bible says, well, again, we're back to this thing about, you know, what good's prayer? And do we, <clears throat> why do we need to pray? After all, God already knows everything. Well, that is true, but he did ask you to pray, didn't he? Amen. Remember, it's, it's not one-sided. Hey, God, what are you doing for me here? Get on this deal. It's not like that at all. It's a relationship. Hallelujah. And God wants to have one with you. Hallelujah. So, so again, we're, it's, 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 it's the fact that we're still uh, told to ask. I mentioned to you the fact that this church is something that was born out of um, prayer. We had a lot of people, I'll go back to it again, but we had a lot of people, this was clear back in 1978. We had a lot of people that were getting filled with the Holy Ghost, turned on to the Word of God. They wanted a Spirit-filled church. We didn't have one. Uh, many of which, you know, within the group at least, were going to a mainline denominational church, and they were anything but filled with the Holy Ghost. And I mean, and such a disparity there. I mean, it wasn't really intended to be that way, but it just, you know, oil and water don't mix. Light and darkness don't mix. And so they're hungry, and uh, they want more. You know, the Bible says, blessed are those that hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they will be what? filled. We prayed, I think, uh, as I recall, we prayed about six weeks. We started, uh, I think, in the uh, middle of October, and we would gather each week for about six weeks praying. One Monday night, I'm at home by myself. Joan was away doing something, and I was on the, on the couch, and I think I was probably praying, and the Spirit of God came on me. He says, I want you to start a church. I said, I do not want to start a church. You got the wrong guy. I said, no, I got the right guy. You know, and so I went and argued with him about how it wasn't pot. The biggest problem that I had in the whole, whole thing was, you know, uh, what people were going to think. 
And guess what? You've got to get delivered about what people think. Because you'll never obey God if you're concerned about, you know, uh, whether it's socially acceptable or not. And, you know, and there was, there's a lot of things to that. But finally, you know, I just said, all right, God, you know, praise God, but you're going to have to talk to her, you know. So she came home and I said, honey, there's something I need to visit with you about. And, and uh, she said, yeah, sure, what's that? And I said, well, I think, I don't think. I said, God just spoke to me and wants us to start a church. And uh, she says, well, uh, I believe that's God. She said, but we need to tell our parent, my parents before we tell anybody else. We need to go personally. We didn't want them to hear it secondhand. They were pillars in the church at the time. And uh, guess what? That didn't go over good. And, you know, um, and we did our very best, at least I did, you know, to try to explain my heart to them about why it is that we were doing, you know, doing what we were doing. And, and of course, one of the comments was, what's wrong with our church, you know? And... Um, and I wasn't, I, you know, I, I, I just told him, I said, I, I'm not trying to compare what it is that we're, you know, we feel like the Lord is wanting us to do uh, with that. But, you know, they were feeling the same pressure that we were in terms of socially, how's this going to turn out? And, and, um, and it was hard for them, you know. But we, you know, worked through all of that and explained uh, what our, the, our heart behind what we were doing. We weren't, hey, guess what? We're going to go split the church. We're going to make a problem for everybody. You know, we're going to, you know, just raise all kinds of H-E-double-L, you know, or nothing. It wasn't that at all. And they knew that part of it, even though they couldn't see through it all. But here's the thing. The Spirit of God spoke to us on one occasion. And uh, when he did, he said that not only would they agree with what you're doing, but one day they'll become a part of it. And it took a while, but I tell you what, praise God, they did begin to agree with what we were doing because they seen the fruit, you know. Uh, we were in this home and then that home, and then we moved up here, and so we were kind of out of sight, out of mind kind of thing, you know. And God began to, you know, uh, prosper the church. But I'm saying all of that to say that all started because people prayed, because of desire. God said he'll give you the desires of your heart. Amen. So the church was really born out of uh, that prayer time that we had, and, uh, uh, and it was beautiful. I mean, it really turned out to be a, a wonderful thing. Glory to God. So anyway, uh, <clears throat> you know, so uh, we have something to do with the way that things turn out within our lives. I'll give you another example. You know, um, people will say this sometimes, you know, everyone has an appointed time to die. Have you ever heard that before? You know, they'll say something, you know, when your time comes, uh, you're just going to die. You know what? That's not true. That statement isn't true. Now, the Bible does say in Hebrews 9 and 27 that it says, and as it is appointed unto men once to die, then after that comes, comes the judgment. So in other words, there is a physical death that everybody has to experience. But when that happens, it's not like, your time's up, Doc. And the reason that that's true is because when you read in the book of Proverbs, the Bible talks about, well, not to mention the fact in Psalm 91, he said, with long life will I satisfy you and show you my salvation. Amen? The Bible promises three score and 10, and if by reason of strength, more. So you can make it 70, and if you want to, keep on going. You know what I'm saying? 
But in the book of Proverbs, it makes it very clear that people that do things in, in direct um, opposition to God, their lives are cut short. But it also says that people that obey God end up living a long life. So you don't have an appointed time, you know, like in the time continuum, you know, it's, it's right there. You can do something about that. Are you with me? You know, like, uh, let's talk about Hezekiah. You know, remember the whole story about the finger writing on the wall? And, it's, and the voice said, today you will surely die. Huh? Well, what happened? Hezekiah hit his knees, man, and he repented right there, and God gave that man 15 more years. So he had something to do with it, didn't he? Huh? So you can't just, you know, and, and a lot of that's kind of born out of uh, teachings about fate and, you know, all these different kinds of things. But I, I like the Bible. How about you? I like what the Bible has to say. And again, he said, with long life will I satisfy you. You know, when you get satisfied, go on home. Hallelujah. Isn't that good? It's better than some of the rest of it. Y'all glad you came tonight? Stay awake on me now. Don't go be going to sleep. Hallelujah. <laughs> but see, here's the thing. You know, sometimes, you know, Satan uses lies to undermine people's faith to get them to quit, to get them to give up. You ever felt like giving up? Huh? You ever, ever wanted to quit? You say, man, dude, I, I'm done. Huh? Yeah, we all have. And you've had help. Huh? Circumstances, situations, different things, you know. And, uh, but the thing that we need to understand is, is there's times in life, you know, certain times in life when it comes to prayer that you can turn certain situations around. Huh? You know? So don't give up on your kids. I said, don't give up on them. Amen? You know? And uh, I, I, again, I, I appeal to you on the, uh, um, uh, in the context of what it is that Abraham did for Sodom and Gomorrah and his intercession, the thing that happened with Hezekiah when he turned his face to the wall and, and repented. God gave him, uh, you know, he turned his captivity. You know, same thing happened with Job, dude. I mean, that guy, he had a mess going on, and God turned the whole thing around and gave him twice as much as what he had before. Hallelujah. You know, that's the God we serve. And that's the nature of our Father, praise God. So, again, here's what I want you to see, you know, when it comes to all of this, that, you know, without our prayers, there's a lot of things that they won't come to pass, you know? You know, we, we ought to pray about our future. You know, we ought to pray about our lives. Lord, you know, what is it that you want me to do here? What, what do I need to be doing? You know, there's, the Bible says that where there is envy and strife, there's confusion in every evil work. You know, and when it comes to the things of God, he is not the author of confusion, but of peace. So if you're not experiencing peace, why and whatever it is that, you know, is causing it is not from heaven. So what you need to do is you just retreat back into the arms of your father and say, Lord, you got to help me understand this. Because I know this is not the disposition that you have for me in any way, shape or form. But I do need answers. But I'm going to look to you, praise God. You know that scripture in the Bible that says, you know, be careful for nothing. I think, I don't know if it was Sunday or whenever. Never be anxious about anything. But in everything, with prayer and supplication, make your requests known unto God. And the peace of God that passes all understanding will keep your hearts and minds. Finally, my brother, whatever things are true and honest and just and pure and lovely, think on those things. Man, I'm telling you what, that's a masterful piece 
of Scripture. Because, you know, we read it and it says, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer. Well, whenever we have problems, you know, and we're being anxious or careful or fearful about something, we'll pray. Okay? Well, we obeyed that part. But now the, let's go back to the first part. It says, be careful for nothing. Now that gets to be a little bit of a challenge. Who is it that has to do that? We do. Huh? You say, yeah, but man, I mean, you know, when you think about what's going on, when you think about this, when you think, yeah, I understand all of that, but what did he say? He said, never be anxious about anything. So what we do is we, we address the fear or the anxiety that we have within our hearts, and we say, Lord, this is not from you. Huh? Y'all still want to listen to this? You want me to stop? Yeah. This isn't from you. For me to be, you know, all, all knotted up and all of that, that, this isn't you. So you said to cast all my care onto you because you care for me or never be anxious about anything. So as an act of my will, I refuse to be worried, to be anxious, or to be fearful about what it is that I'm dealing with in my life right now in Jesus' name. And when we, when we approach it on that basis, then the peace of God that passes all understanding will keep our hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Are you with me? You say, yeah, but I've done that before, you know, and it lasts about five minutes. Do it again. again. You just got to go right back and say, you know, because the thing about it is fear has torment and fear is not from God. God has not given you, child of God, a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. So the anxiety and, and or the fear or anything of that nature, whatever that kind of an emotional response, you know, may uh, create within your life is not from heaven. And you have to resist it. Okay? The Bible talks about resist the devil and he will flee from you. See, whenever my thought life goes down a negative path and I figure it out, I mean, you know, I wish I was a little brighter sometimes. I could, you know, cut these things off the pass a little sooner. But, you know, thank God I finally get it. I say, wait a minute, this is not from God. Now, I know I'm not the only one that does that, by the way. But when you get it figured out, that's the time when you have to stop and just say, no. I resist you, Satan, in Jesus' name. Because, you know, the Bible says that we're not wrestling with flesh and blood. And I'm not trying to be spooky here, but the reality is, is there are things in the world that influence your thinking in a negative kind of way. What is it that makes a person take their life? What is it that causes people to do this or that or the, uh, you know, the whatever? They get help. See, if they don't take control of their thought lives... If they don't do something about it, and, and the biggest lie the devil will tell people is, is I, I, I can't, I don't know what to do. Yes, you can. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. But as long as you continue believing that you can't, you won't. Does that make sense? But thank God you can. Everybody say, I can. I can. Yeah, you absolutely can. Hallelujah. And what it does is it breaks the hold of the devil in your life because he builds these strongholds in people's thinking. That's why the Bible tells us we're to renew our minds, you know, to the word of God. That, that's your weaponry. Jesus said, it's written, it's written, it's written, it's written. 
and you got to be able to do the same thing. No, devil, you're a liar, praise God. You know, he said he'd keep those in perfect peace whose mind has stayed on him. So I refuse to fret. I refuse to worry. I refuse this, that, and the other. And you know, people, they get physically sick because of, of worrying and anxiety. They end up, you know, they got, you know, uh, ulcers, all kinds of problems, you know, this, that, and the other. And um, I remember Brother Hagin was talking about a guy, he was a pastor, actually, and, and he had something, somebody was suing him, and he was, he was in trouble, you know. I mean, trouble in the sense that he wasn't dealing with it well. So, so Dad just tried to talk to him about, you know, this very scripture is, that we're talking about right here. You know, about not being anxious or careful about anything, but in everything with prayer and supplication. And so he was talking, well, he says, well, I prayed about it. And, and Dad just said, well, now you got to, you know, refuse to, to worry, you know. Well, he got mad at Brother Hagin. You know, he says, well, not everybody's got faith like you do. He says, I'm not talking about faith. I'm just asking you to do the Bible. Practice the word. In other words, choose not to be afraid or not to fret, you know. And so he, he talked with him more about it and tried to, you know, and, and eventually actually was able to get him turned around, praise God, and got him to where uh, he uh, started resisting the whole thing. Well, as it turned out, all of it basically went out the window and it came to nothing. And isn't that so true of so many of the things that go on within our lives? Huh? So all of the consternation, all of the worry, and all of the things, fretting and all that, it's for naught, you know? Because, you know, I don't, I don't believe, well, we weren't. We were never created to, to, to carry all of that kind of stuff. That's why Jesus came. He said, you know, he made this statement. He says, come to me, all of you that labor and are heavy laden. I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. For I am meek and lowly of heart, and you'll find rest unto your souls. Isn't that what he said? For my yoke is what? It's what? Easy. And my burden is what? Light. Hallelujah. So if we're carrying this whole thing around because this isn't happening or that or the other or whatever, well, we just uh, we need to get some things straightened out. How many of you ca- glad you came tonight? Amen. These things will help you, praise God, because uh, like I said, we have an adversary who's always trying to undermine a person's faith. Look with me, if you would, real quickly at, uh, do we have time to do that? Um, Yeah, I think so. Let's go to Daniel chapter 10, and let's look at this example here. Daniel, the 10th chapter. And um, a lot of good things in here, praise God. But uh, for the sake of time, J- uh, Daniel chapter 10, let's just start here. Verse 1, we'll kind of get a, a preface to all of this. In the third year of Cyrus, the king of Persia, a thing was revealed unto Daniel, whose name was called Belshazzar. And the thing was true, but the time appointed was long or great. And he understood the thing, and he had understanding of the vision. So in those days, I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks. In other words, yeah, three weeks, 21 days. 
And, um, and when he talks about mourning, he was fasting and praying, essentially. He ate no pleasant meat. Notice in verse 2, I ate no pleasant bread. Um, neither came flesh nor wine to my mouth, neither did I anoint myself at all, until three whole weeks were fulfilled. And in the four and twentieth day of the first month, as I was by the side of the great river, which is the river uh, Adela, I lifted up my eyes and looked, and behold, a certain man clothed in, in linen, whose loins were girded with fine gold uh, of Euphaz, and his body was also like uh, the burl, and his face was like the appearance of lightning, <laughs> and his eyes lamps of fire, and his arms and feet the color of polished brass, and the voice of his words was like the voice of a multitude. Woo! Well, you know what? That's, that's not normal. So what's happening here? He's being visited. He's having an encounter. Now let's drop down for the sake of time. In verse 10, he had this vision, and he said, Behold, a hand touched me, which set me upon my knees and upon the palm of my hands. And he said unto me, O Daniel, listen, a man greatly, what? Beloved. Hallelujah. God loves you tonight, you guys. Oh, he does. He says, a man greatly beloved. Understand the words that I speak unto thee and stand upright. For unto thee I am now sent. And when he had spoken this word unto me, I stood trembling. And then he said unto me, fear not, Daniel. Now listen to this. This is what I want you to underline. For from the first day that you did set your heart to understand and to chasten yourself before your God, your words were what? They were heard. And I am come for your words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia. He's not talking about Cyrus. He's talking about a spiritual prince that ruled over the Persian empire. But the prince of Persia withstood me one and 20 days, but lo, Michael, one of the chief or arch princes or angels came to help me, and I remained there with the kings of Persia, and now I am come to make you to understand what shall befall your people in the latter days. And then he goes on and explains what it is that's going to go on. Hallelujah. And, and the reason that I want to make this point to you this evening is, is that from the first day he heard, but he was being resisted to bring the word to him. Well, now, I don't know if you and I, when it comes to our prayer lives, are dealing with matters on that level, but I can tell you this, the devil will do everything he can to keep you from understanding the will of God for your life. If he can, he'll keep people out of church, man. He'll do whatever it is he can. I mean, he doesn't care. You know, all he's out to do is to kill, steal, and destroy. And, and it's, it's divide and conquer. It's, it's drive the wedge and separate. That's his whole deal. Because he knows that when you're in right relationship with God and you're walking with him and walking in the light, dude, you are an enemy and a threat. So, you know, that's, that's the game. But if thank God we are not ignorant of his devices. Aren't you glad for that tonight? Praise God. And we have this audience with God. God, you know, it's like Paul said, man, dude, if God be for us, 
Who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him, how shall he not with him freely give you everything you need? Man, I'm telling you, you don't want to run from God. You want to run to him. Hallelujah. Because he loves you. Glory to God. Amen. You know, don't be like Peter. You know, Peter, bless his heart, man. They're out there on that ship. He gets a boatload of fish. And he said, depart from me. I'm a sinful man. And, and essentially what Peter's saying, dude, you got the wrong guy. You don't know anything about me, and I'm a mess. And Peter said, don't you worry. I'll make you a fisher of men. I can fix messes. And thank God he did. But it's, it's so um, part of the, the natural man to want to run from God instead of run to him. You, you, you understand that? So thank God we're believers and we know better and so we don't do that. When we're messed up, we run to him. God, I am messed up. He says, well, I know that. You know, I'm way ahead of you there, you know. But he'll fix it. Aren't you glad for that? Praise God. So anyway, I wanted us to see that. And then, and then finally, uh, let's, let's go over here to um, Matthew chapter 9. And we'll, I'll share this little bit with you and then we'll, we'll, we'll have to close. Praise God. Matthew chapter 9, we're talking about your prayers and your prayer life and how important it is. I trust some of these things are a blessing to you and helpful to you, you know, because praise God, I mean, your prayers, they matter. Amen. Don't ever think for one moment that they don't. And so we can, we must pray, you know, but you have to pray with faith. Huh? Let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. He that wavers like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed, let not that man think he'll receive any, imagine he'll receive anything from the Lord. Huh? Double-minded man gets, you know, you're unstable in all your ways. So let's just settle the point here. God's force, he's on our side. His ear is open to us. We can pray and he'll answer. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Say, yeah, but what if I don't hear right away? Just stay with it, praise God. You know, sometimes your own noggin that's in the road most of the time, you know. But just stay with it. Praise God. This is the confidence we have in him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he what? He hears us. And if we know that he hears us, then we know. We don't wonder. We know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. Glory to God. Isn't that good? You know, therefore, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them, you'll have them. So it is a walk of faith. Yes, but you can trust him. He'll bring it to pass. Glory to God forevermore. Hallelujah. Isn't that good? So anyway, so when it comes to, you know, uh, and I mentioned this to you, you know, how that there's this relationship with us and God. I mean, especially as, again, we see there with Abraham in his intercession for Sodom and Gomorrah. But look at this scripture here, uh, Matthew chapter, did I say nine? Yeah, verse 35. When Jesus, and Jesus went about all the villages, uh, cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then said he to his disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray, therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Now, let me ask you a question. Who's the Lord of the harvest? God is, right? Well, if that's the case, then why don't he just send them? 
I mean, if he's, the, if he's the Lord of the harvest, why didn't he just send harvesters? But Jesus told his disciples to pray and ask God to send or make laborers for this harvest. Well, it was just shortly after that that he appointed 70 others, sent them out two by two, some different things of that nature. So the reason I bring that up to you is, is that Evidently, there's some asking that needs to be done on our part as men or and or women upon the earth for the will of God. The Bible says Jesus was moved with compassion because there was such a multitude. He says, there's no way that I could get to all of this. We need more laborers. Pray and ask God for laborers. Isn't that right? Hallelujah. So, so my point again in that is, is that you know, we're here on the earth. The Bible says that, you know, whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. Huh? So, I, you know, again, I, we don't really have time to get into this whole thing about there is a spiritual authority that, that you, or jurisdiction that you as a child of God have. Remember Jesus, there was times when he would minister to people and their need was apparent. They were sick or infirmed or whatever. And he asked them, he says, what do you want me to do for you? You know, now, maybe a bystander would be standing there and going, well, look, dude, I mean, you know, it's kind of apparent. He needs a little help. You know, he can't walk or, you know, whatever the case might be. You know, one case said that I might receive my sight, yes. you know. And so he ministered to him. And praise God, he received his sight. Why am, I, why am I saying that? Because, you know, when James was writing, he said, you have not because you, you don't ask. You don't ask. You know? So, so there's, there's a part that we have to pr play when it comes to this. And, and I'm just going to hit on this. I don't know if we'll have a chance next week or whatever. But, you know, sometimes you have to... Do you understand the concept of praying through... In other words, you got a burden about something. There's a problem or whatever. And, and sometimes we'll pray about it, but, but it's incomplete. Um, in other words, we, we don't stay there long enough to really get the victory or to pray the thing through. Now, like on Sunday night when we were praying, we prayed for, I'd say, probably about 35 minutes or something along those lines. And then all of a sudden, this note of victory you know, came up on the inside of me, you know, and began to worship God. So what, what does that mean? It, it means you've got where you need to go, and you begin to worship God. How many of you have ever experienced that before when it comes to your prayer life? Okay? So, so sometimes, you know, we get into these situations where we, we need to, you know, uh, pray through to the place where we have this, all of a sudden there's this, you know, lightness, for lack of a better way of putting it on. Hey, you know, there's maybe there's laughter, maybe there's just joy, you know, all of a sudden, you got it. The story is told about a guy, he was a missionary, his name was uh, Brother Boley, I think was his name, and uh, he went to Africa as a missionary, this had been back in the 30s, and uh, he went to the interior of Africa, and he got involved with a tribe there, and uh, he was, um, you know, they, they put this mission up, and began to minister to these people. Well, what happened was there was another tribe not far from them, and this tribe had taken a little six-year-old girl from one tribe, took it from the other one. 
And uh, this bully knew that if they didn't go immediately to retrieve this child, they'd never see her again. You know, they might use her for, you know, sacrifice. God only knows what they would do. So anyway, he found an interpreter within their camp that knew their dialect, and the two of them took off, and they went uh, to this tribe because they knew who took her. Took her, And so they got there and um, got to the chief and started talking to him, and they basically, you know, traded for a bunch of trinkets, you know, or whatever it is that they had so in exchange to be able to get the girl back. Well, they got the girl back, and they, but it was getting too late. It wasn't good for them to be traveling at night in the jungle, so they had to spend a night. So they're in this hut, you know, and they're getting ready to lay down and go to sleep. And all of a sudden, you know, they start hearing these drums and all this and that and the other. And, um, and Bully asks this guy, what, what's the deal, you know? And he says, well, he says, that's uh, their, uh, you know, death knell or whatever the case might be. In other words, the, 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 the king of this tribe had decided, well, what are we giving this up for? We got the girl, we got them, we got, you know, we'll just kill them. We'll take them and we'll keep it all. So what they did is they're in this hut together, and they decided, well, we're just going to have to, you know, commit ourselves into the hands of God, and we're just going to have to go out and meet our fate. So they prayed together, you know, and this and that and the other, and they're getting ready to, you know, step out the door, and really, they really thought that as soon as they stepped out the door, wacko, you know, that'd be the end of it, you know, somebody's head was coming off. Well, they walked out, and, and the guy came out, and everybody was down on the ground, you know, bowing down before them instead of, you know, what they had intended to do. And uh, he said, what are they doing? He says, they think you're God. He says, what are you talking about? He says, well, when you stepped out, there were these two great big giant men in white apparel standing side by side or on either side of you. And they hit the, they hit the ground as soon as they seen them and said you were God. Well, what's interesting about the story is, is that they made their way back home, brought the girl back, everything turned out all right, you know. And so he was, uh, he was going to another, uh, one of the other missions that they had created, and there was a gal that was the director of that one, and, and she was, uh, they were visiting the things, and she said, hey, by the way, she said, uh, last Friday night, were you in some kind of trouble? And he said, well, why? She says, well, I'd had a, like a 14, 16-hour day, and I was just so tired. And I was awakened by the Lord to pray. And so I started to pray, and I fell asleep. But then I was awakened again, and so I woke up, and you know, I started to pray, and, but I fell asleep. And a third time it happened, she said, well, I finally decided the only way you know, that I could do it, what is about, oh, well, about 10, 10.30 at night. The only thing I could do is I was going to have to get up because I just couldn't stay awake. I was so fatigued. So she said, I began to pray, and I seen your face. And she said, I prayed for an hour and a half from 1030 until midnight. And then all of a sudden, I got a note of victory. And all of a sudden, the joy of the Lord came on me, praise God. And I was laughing, and everything was just great and whatever. And then he told her his story about what happened that night. That woman kept that guy alive. Are you listening to me? But what's, what's wild about that, and it's not just wild, it's cool, is that God would use somebody, praise God, to divinely intervene on this in, in the behalf of someone else so that their lives can be preserved. So don't tell me, you know, that your prayers don't matter. They do. And praying through is something that's, but, but we have to be persevering sometimes. So 
Whatever you're facing, whatever you're dealing with, whatever is, is a challenge to you, praise God, position yourself as we have discussed and talked about this evening and be persistent and persevering. See, you know, because again, Ephesians 6, 18, praying always with all manner of prayer and supplication in the spirit, watching unto uh, with all perseverance. Everybody say perseverance. Yeah. So, you know, you say, well, you know, you're really, <coughs> you're really talking about a lot of effort here. What do you want? What do you want out of life? You know? I mean, if you just want to be lazy about it, then don't do nothing and you don't have to worry about it, I guess. Well, you'll keep worrying about it, but <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, the thing is, is people have to decide what they want. You know, you, you can't. You know, I can't make anybody do anything. But he said that he would give you the desires of your heart. And if you're hungry for it, baby, God will give it to you. You believe that? Let's stand. It's 808. Need to quit. Kids are, you know, they got enough uh, soap on them and water that they'll probably clean your car when they get in it. They're just going to, whatever. Yeah, they take, uh, they take Dawn dishwashing soap, man. They spray it all over that plastic. And then they throw the water to it, and guess what? You got a slip slide. Let's pray together. Father, today, uh, tonight, again, we're so grateful, Father God, for the effectual working of your power through the local church when we pray. And Father, I ask you to help each and every one of us to take advantage of what it is that you have empowered us with. Help us, Father God, to be of those that believe. We don't draw back. Uh, but rather we believe, praise God, to the saving of the soul. So we want to thank you tonight for whatever difficulty, whatever affliction, whatever hardship that we may be encountering. Thank God we're not in it alone. And Father God, you said in your word that you would come to our aid and that you would help us in the time of trouble. Why don't you pray this prayer with me, everyone? Say this, say, Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you tonight for aid from heaven. Thank you for helping me cast my care onto you. And I thank you, Lord, for a desirable outcome that brings glory to you in Jesus' name. And we thank you for it. Praise God. Amen. Isn't that good? Glory to God. Why don't you go ahead and be seated.